the Giants take care of business against the Kansas City Royals, and they are able to carry over some of what made them successful over the weekend against the Dodgers into game one of this series. So we'll break down everything that went right for the Giants next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Giants, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked on Giants listeners. Get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKEDON at checkout. And coming up on today's show, the Giants took care of business against an inferior Kansas City Royals team, and that is not something that we take for granted around here, given, it's funny, a lot of the talk early in the season, and I, I will talk about why I don't like this, was centered around, okay, well, the Giants, yeah, their record is fine, but look at their record against teams who are over 500. Well, first of all, that number has completely changed. Now the Giants have an above 500 record against teams currently over 500. They're 17 and 15. But for a lot of the season, especially in the month of May, they struggled against teams that were below 500. And even earlier in June against, for example, the Colorado Rockies coming into town and the Giants at home losing two out of three to the Rockies. So for me, baseball is just a weird game, and it's kind of like you just can't. On the when I think that's maybe appropriate to look at when all is said and done. But when we're dealing with small samples, things get weird, and you can sweep the Dodgers and lose two out of three to the Rockies, and that's kind of a thing that happens in baseball. But anyway, the point is that the Royals came into town with a record of twenty and thirty-nine. There's so much I can say about. Uh, the position of the Kansas City Royals. First of all, this is like a little tangent I'm going to go on. A couple years ago, they made a couple of of signings. They signed Mike Miner and Carlos Santana, and they traded for Andrew Benintendi. And the media, they were like media darlings for this little bit of effort they put into perhaps making their team more competitive. Meanwhile, the Giants were also a team several years ago that people thought was not going to be good and was headed for a rebuild. They were kind of viewed similarly in some ways, maybe in 2019, 2020. And the Royals got all this credit for these little moves they made. And meanwhile, the Giants got no credit for actually, like they were the team that was out there. The Giants, it's like, we almost forget. They were in a position, people thought they needed to go out and like rebuild, tear down, trade off their best players, just wait until these big contracts expired and restart. They did not do that. They Farhan Zaidi came in and and said they weren't going to do that and that the goal was to be competitive every season and to be 
in it as deep into the season as possible each and every year. And in 2019, they were kind of surprisingly competitive and they were hybrid buyers and sellers at the deadline. In 2020, they were even more competitive. They had a positive run differential. They just barely missed out on the expanded playoffs and they really hit. And then in 2021, they win 107 games and now they're competitive again. So for some reason, teams like the Royals get credit for what they do. And they're just still, that's my point is like, look how that has worked out for them. They're just continuing to lose each and every year. And they get all this credit for some reason. Sometimes they still do like people give this team more credit than they deserve not to be kicking them when they're down, but something, something has to change in that front office. And it's more of an old school mentality and kind of a refusal to buy in to more modern baseball roster construction and just management in general. So anyway, they're 20 and 40 now with this loss. And I just, I just have to give Zaidi so much credit for not going this route and just being bad and like I wouldn't even call it tanking. The problem with the Royals is that they're trying to win and yet they're 20 and 40 and they've just been bad year after year after year after year, even though they're like trying to win. So it's a it's an ugly scene. But the Giants took care of business against this opponent and they 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 walked nine times like that's the thing that jumps off the page when we look at this. But also the bullpen didn't allow any runs. Alex Wood and the Giants fell behind early. This is something we saw a lot of for much of the year is that even with with an inferior opponent in town maybe some early zeros by the Giants offense and then a run or two put on the board against a Giants starter and then you're you're going uphill the whole game and so it looked like it might be headed that direction again and maybe ultimately leading to a loss but the Giants were able to hold the line at 2 to nothing they took some free passes in several innings they ended up walking 9 times including 4 in a row in one inning after a two-out double, which scored a couple of runs. And then, like I said, like I said, they held the Royals to two runs in the game, and the Giants just continued to add on and won six to two. And so the pos- position it put the Giants in is that they've won four straight. They're finally putting some consistent games together where the defense has been tight, the bullpen has been clutch and good, and they're gaining a little bit of separation from that 500 mark. Unfortunately, in a way, it is so early, it's like we can't call it like unfortunate timing or anything like that. But you've got the Atlanta Braves who are in this wild card race as well, winners of 12 consecutive games. And then the Phillies, they had won what, like nine in a row, and then they lost and then they won again. And so the wild card picture, I just can't believe that on MLB.com, they just won't show wild card standings, they only show the division standings. It's insane. I I don't understand that at all. But on the MLB app, so I'm looking down at my phone here, they do show the wildcard standing. So what's up with that? I don't get it. But the Giants currently are like percentage points ahead of the Braves. So the Giants are technically the second wildcard team right now, and the Braves are the third. Meaning that the Giants, if the season were to end today or yesterday, well, first of all, there wouldn't be percentage point differences. The Giants and Braves are tied, but Giants have a slight edge. But you wouldn't get that if you've played the same number of games. But anyway, if if it were the case, the Giants would be in San Diego for a best of three to start the playoffs. And the Braves would be 
in St. Louis. And actually, the the Cardinals are a much worse team right now than the uh, Padres. So you would rather probably be the third wild card team than the second wild card team. Just another reason that the way that they've structured the postseason and it's been this way forever, it just continues to not make sense. Like the 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 worst team gets a better matchup. It just doesn't make sense. It should just be straight seated one through six and six plays three because the first and second seeds get a bye now and uh, four plays five. It should just be that way. But of course, they make it more complicated than it needs to be. So anyway, coming up in just a minute, we have a lot of injury updates to get to. We have a somewhat surprising option, although really it wasn't a surprising minor league option that was used. We'll explain why they did it and clear up some confusion centered around the whole minor league options game. So we'll get to that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter slowly orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Random example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store and just $216 from Rock Auto. Find out the part you need, look it up on Rock Auto, see how much cheaper it is, and make that decision for yourself. It really is a no-brainer, and then you can have whoever you want install it for you. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, as promised, we are going to talk about some injury updates. There was another bad one yesterday, but also some good ones as well. Giants have a lot of injuries going on. And then a minor league option update. I think there is some confusion about this new rule. So before we get into that, the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board Draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. So yeah, the the minor league options thing, I think that there seems to be some confusion about this, and I understand why. It is confusing. We've talked about it a few times, but I just want to clarify again. So what the Giants did yesterday, and we predicted that it might happen, was they optioned Elliot Ramos again, and they called back, called up Mauricio Llovera back into the bullpen, and he pitched a scoreless inning last night and looked quite good in the process. Uh, so... This is just what I want to clarify. So it's a little bit confusing when you hear guys have three options and that's it. And then you look at Elliot Ramos, he's been optioned, I think, three times already. And so you're like, wow, they've used up all of his minor league options. Well, that's not how it works. When we say, or not just when we say, but every player who comes up from the minor leagues, or actually, let me go back even further. Every player who gets added to the 40-man roster starts with three options. And what that means is three option years. It means that they can be optioned 
three different years. And it used to be you could option them as many times as you wanted within the, the rules. You have to you, They have to be down for a minimum of 10 days before you can call them back up once you've sent them down. And the exception to that would be if they're replacing a player who was injured. And I think also if they're like the, the extra guy for a double header, there are small exceptions. But the, the rule changed in 2022 when we had the lockout, we got a new collective bargaining agreement and some new rules. And this was a new rule that you still have the three option years. That didn't change. But what changed is instead of being able to option guys an unlimited number of times each year, you can now only option guys five times within each option year. So I guess one way to think about it is you technically have 15 minor league options, which sounds like a ton, but it's three option years and then five times each year. And so for Ramos, he's obviously been optioned this year. And now we're just dealing with the the rule of five times per year. So they won't exceed it because you can't. So what's going to happen is going into 2023, Elliot Ramos will have two option years remaining. And so they can do this next year as well, and they can do it the year after that. And then only after that, would he be a guy who's considered out of options? But, you know, there, there should be a new term for a guy who's out of his five options for the year. So it does get a little bit complicated, but think of it like 15 real, like you can be optioned 15 times basically is now the limit. Uh, but again, there are exceptions. If you're replacing somebody who got injured, that doesn't count. And also in April of this year, options didn't count. And so I think for Ramos, I haven't found a resource that's listing how many times guys have been optioned officially. But for Ramos, the first time he was called up and then sent back down uh, was in April. Although he was added to the 40 men in the offseason. And when he started the season in the minors, that counts as an option. That counts as like initiating the whole optioning process. So I don't know exactly where he stands. But I think that those April options didn't count this year only because of the because of the delayed spring training and there was expanded rosters there was all kinds of weirdness in the first month of the year so those didn't count so I think since then he's been optioned twice so I believe he can be sent down three more times this year but no more than that so once you send him down for the fifth time if you call him back up, he has to stay. You can't do it again. So this is a this is definitely a rule to pay attention to. And they are kind of burning through his options, but they obviously know what they're doing. And he was called up just to face Kershaw and Urias. Right now, they are using Elliot Ramos this way. They're using him to start. They're calling him up when they got a couple of lefties coming up. And there's some kind of opening on the roster. For for this case, it was that Jacob Junis had just gone on the injured list. So that opened up a spot on the 26-man roster. They decided to be short one pitcher to add Ramos's bat because he was going to start against a couple lefties. And then as soon as the lefties leave town and they felt like they needed another pitcher because they were operating, I think, with 14 position players and 12 pitchers once they had Ramos there, they decided they needed the pitcher, which was very predictable. So this was a predictable move in every way. And I mean, they're facing a lefty tonight, but they're not going to call Ramos back up because they can't. There's the rule about 10 days. And they also don't want to just, you can't just burn through all these five options per year super quickly. They're not going to do that. So here's the thing with Elliot Ramos. There's also a lot of questions always about why are they doing this? Why don't they just give him more of a shot? Well, 
the simple answer is that he just it hasn't done well in AAA. And so the idea that he's going to just like suddenly thrive in the major leagues when he's generally struggled in AAA is a little bit far-fetched, I think. Like he's literally hitting 212 with a 300 on base and 332 slugging in AAA. So obviously they think the defense and the ability to hit left-handed pitching would play at the major league level, but they're not just ready to hand him an everyday role or an everyday roster spot. So I think it's perfectly acceptable what they're doing. It would be a different case if he was having like a 170 weighted runs created plus in AAA, but that just that has not been the case. He's struggled there. And so, and I know some people are going to say he's struggling because they're jerking him back and forth between the majors and the minors. Well, I don't buy that at all because there are plenty of guys who go through this who who don't have those difficulties. Like, for example, Jason Vossler is a guy who's been up and down with the Giants this year, and he's done well in the major leagues. And, oh, you know, I was about to say he's done well in the minors, but he hasn't. But last year he did. He did well in AAA and not well in the majors. So I just think it's an excuse. We saw this excuse used for Derek Rodriguez a few years ago, but the reality was Derek Rodriguez just wasn't that good. So it's it's just an excuse. And I think that players relish the opportunity to play in the major leagues kind of no matter what. And it's not like Ramos can feel like he totally, absolutely deserves not to go back down when he's struggling in AAA. So it's just the reality of the situation. I think most people understand this. He will get the, if he proves that he deserves more and more opportunities, they'll give him more and more opportunities. Think of Luis Gonzalez. Like he hasn't left. I take it back. He left for like four days and then he's right back. So he's earned all of this playing times that playing time that he's had with playing so well so I guess we'll have to save the conversation for just a minute about the injury updates and I also want to talk about Luis Gonzalez a little bit more he individually had a very nice inning I mean he he led to a run himself and it wasn't even a it wasn't even close to a home run and yet all by himself he generated a run on the board for the Giants in this game. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. But first, whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. I don't know about you, but the convenience of doing these things that used to be a big hassle and in person and dealing with maybe an intimidating salesperson, someone who's pushing you because they're earning commission is a little bit uncomfortable. And I much prefer to do this from home. And so enter BlueNile.com, which is fantastic. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Giants listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code locked on. That's code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenile.com today. All right, here we go. We are going to talk about some injury updates. Like I said, the Giants had a bad one, a bad update, but also some good ones. So, on the whole, I mean, this has been a season somewhat ravaged by injuries. They, they've definitely dealt with their share of injuries, but this is why you build depth and they have needed it. I mean, look at the starting rotation with 
Junis. Like we didn't expect him to be a key part of the rotation, but there he was. And then he goes down and it's like, okay, well, who's going to be in the rotation now? And for now, they're going with bullpen games. We don't even know who's going to start on Wednesday. It was supposed to be Junis. I hope you listened to yesterday's episode. I talked about how really difficult it must be for Judas to not get to face his old team, the Royals, in this start on Wednesday because they non-tendered him and he's doing so well with the Giants. But anyway, we talked about that a lot yesterday. The point is, it could be Sean Jelly, another guy who's been up and down like Elliot Ramos. It's his first option year. He can be optioned five times this year and then he would enter next year with two option years remaining. So, uh, who's it going to be? We don't know. It could be Jelly. It could be Sam Long again. It could be a number of different possibilities. But we start to look at Tony DiSclefani and Matthew Boyd, a guy we've talked about a lot. You've probably seen him in the dugout and wondered who is that guy. Matthew Boyd has been in the dugout all year long. He kind of he's been smiling a lot. He seems to be having a good time. So yesterday was an unfortunate day for him as he was throwing live BP. He threw live batting practice to Brandon Belt and Lamont Wade Jr. We have updates on those two. But his live BP had to be cut short due to some, quote, elbow discomfort. So we don't yet know if Gabe Kapler wouldn't necessarily call it a setback. But what he did say is that Boyd just felt uncomfortable really getting after it on the mound there, and they they cut it short. And so that is not what you want to hear for a guy who is rehabbing a arm injury. He had like flexor tendon surgery. I, I honestly don't remember the exact surgery that he had, but he's dealing with an arm injury and he's been out for a long time and he wasn't going to be able to come back until June. We knew when they signed him in the first place to a one-year $5.2 million deal plus incentives. So, I'm not going to call it a setback if they're not going to call it a setback, but it it kind of is a setback, right? Like they didn't want this to happen or hope this would happen or expect this to happen, but it did. So that pushes him back. Like he's going to, it's going to be some more time than we thought it might be. But in better news, Tony DiSclefani is going to make another rehab appearance in just a few days. Uh, I, don't, I had it. So, oh, uh, on Thursday. He's going to make a rehab start in Tacoma and he's eligible to come off the 60-day injured list on June 21st. And so he very much could be in line to pretty much come back when he's eligible. So yeah, I mean, that would put him in line, I think, to start on normal rest on the 21st. And so if he comes out of that appearance healthy and feeling good, that is a great sign. And he can just slot back into that rotation. I know he didn't start out the year well, but he was dealing with this ankle discomfort and injury. And he was so good for the Giants last year. The Dodgers notwithstanding, they consistently got to him, which again, I think is more of kind of a random thing. And the Dodgers being a good team versus they just had some secret recipe to beat him because there was at least one game where he went out and pitched very well against them. So Baseball is a weird sport and it's not that predictable. And like when you're on, you're on and you can kind of beat any team. And when you're off, you're off and any team can beat you. So I look forward to him coming back. I think that's a big deal, especially because they don't have Junis. They don't have Cobb and Cobb is hopefully going to be able to come back in this upcoming road trip as well. So in also good news, Brandon Belt 
took swings, felt good, and said he could play towards the end of the Royals series. I would anticipate they won't activate him for today's game, given that they're facing a left-handed pitcher. I think it makes more sense to wait a day, but he could be activated and it could happen towards the end of the series. And that is very good news. He's so important to this team. And then Lamont Wade Jr., who had that setback with his hamstring when he's he's dealing with a knee injury, but then the hamstring flared up. He's going to start a rehab assignment this weekend. That is likely. That is the latest word. So that's big. If they could get Belt and Wade back, it does become a very interesting roster crunch. And we've talked about how Luis Gonzalez, there is some possibility that he could be a guy who gets sent down. And I know people are going to be very upset if that happens, but it is possible. I'm coming off of it, of thinking it's likely. I think there are other moves they could make there. But it's just something to anticipate as a possibility. So take that for what it is. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen today. Now make your second listen, the Locked on MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. I just talked to him last week, so you can check that out if you haven't yet. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast Locked on MLB on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please smash that thumbs up button, that five-star button, whatever you can. I would really appreciate it. So thanks in advance. And thank you to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Logan Webb on the mound for the Giants against a lefty who has really struggled. And so that right-handed lineup for the Giants will be out there. Slater, who's done very well all season long, especially against left-handed pitching. He'll be in there. All those righties as well. So can't wait to be with you then. Thanks again for listening. Stay locked on Giants.